Welcome listeners to the Lust for Life podcast, where you'll be joining a girl on her journey to discovering the depths of emotional intelligence. This is your host, Tennessee Reed. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to have you back on the show and listening. I hope you had a wonderful week full of wonderful improvement and growth. Today is a really exciting day. We have a really awesome guest on our show today. His name is Zach Hazlett, aka the Outdoor Therapist, and he is amazing to say the least, you guys. He says everything so well and so validating with our emotions, so I'm really excited to have him on the show today. He has started a business called Get Outside Together in Moab, Utah. It's a river rafting guide business where families get together and bond and enjoy time together. He is also starting a podcast in the next couple of weeks, so keep an eye out for that. You're not going to want to miss it. It's called Feel to Heal, The Art of Growth. So once again, that's starting the next couple of weeks. Don't miss it. I'll post it on my Instagram when it comes out so you all have the link, and it's definitely something that we're going to want to keep our eye out for. Zach, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? <laughs> well, thank you for that introduction. I feel a lot of pressure of saying things super well. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm really excited to be on the podcast with you um, and share you know, a little bit of my journey and how I got to where I'm at and some healing that I've done on my own as well and kind of what my philosophy is around healing, especially as it relates to the outdoors. So just looking forward to chatting with you for a little bit. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited and we're really honored to have you. So thank you for taking time to be here today. Today, I really want to talk about um, being our authentic self and how we can come to find that because it's not easy when there's a lot of voices, you know, screaming at us of what we should be and where and when. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I really want you to share your story of how you combined outdoors with becoming a family therapist and what, what helped you to find that authentic version of yourself and mix that most powerful versions of yourself? Like, how did you come to be this outdoor therapist? Oh man, that is a big question with a lot of things. Um, I guess to get started, I didn't always know just like probably most people listening, like whether you're in your journey, figuring out who you are, what you, you know, your authentic self is, or whether you found that I didn't know what I was supposed to do or who I was supposed to be all growing up. Right. But I did know that I loved being outside and there was something about being outside and around people that was always a, a draw to me. And I remember we would, we would be, when I was little, my parents would never worry about me when we were around other people outside just because they're like, oh, he'll figure out a ride home or he'll, you know, Moab's a small town where I'm from and like everybody knows everyone. And it was different times, you know, 25 years ago. But I would just like talk to random strangers, talk to people, and I just loved getting to know people. So I always knew that part of what I was going to do or who I was was going to be people uh, in some way or shape or form. Um, and then, yeah, being outside, it was always so healing to me every summer, you know, when I went to school, college, I'd go back and work as a river guide and school is fun. Like college is fun. We, we all have a good time in college, but there was something about Moab and being there and being outside as a river guide with families and individuals and, and couples and whoever else that 
just invigorated me. Like I just felt like that was more of my calling. And so I'm like, okay, how can I be a river guide forever? Because river guide is like a fun summer job. <laughs> it's not something that people do forever. But as I was thinking of that, I actually met um, a professor of mine during my undergrad. Her name's Dr. Lauren Barnes. She's awesome. Uh, still a really good friend of mine. And she was like, hey, and she's like, you should become a therapist. And then you could like do therapy trips on the river. And then you could like charge a little more than a river guide and make it something that you could keep doing. <laughs> and I was like, huh, interesting idea. Okay. So I looked into it more and I will, I do admittedly, I, I started doing therapy because I loved people and cared about people, but the idea of being able to do it outside on the river was the most intriguing part, not necessarily like the therapy itself. And then as, as I got into it in school, I learned to really, really love it. And those times in grad school, when I was a newbie therapist, not really knowing what I was doing and feeling the imposter syndrome, like crazy, was some of the most like sacred and special times of my life because people would come to me with some of their most difficult things, like the hardest things that they don't share with anyone and immediately open up and just sh like share it all to with me, just lay it out on the table right there. And we'd reason together about what's going on. We'd, you know, talk about this and that and like, okay, like, uh, what are, what are we hoping to accomplish here? You know, and I'd, I'd cry with them and I'd just sit with them and it was so special. And so I was really drawn to therapy after that of like, man, people are really going through it. And like, you can look at any single person in your life, the people who look like they have it all together, the people who look like they're struggling. And I guarantee you that like that person is going through something that might be one of the most difficult things that they've ever gone through. And that changes the way I looked at things. I started to see people as someone who was probably going through a difficult time, which meant like, did I say hi to more people? Totally. And did I feel like it was weird? Not at all. Because sometimes the smile that you give to a stranger or a simple hello or a wave can be the, the pivotal moment or the thing that changes their day completely. It could change the director, the direction, like trajectory of their entire life. And so that's how I started viewing people and things. And I really recognized that there's a huge need for one therapy, but like just helping people in general. But so many people are afraid or like don't feel comfortable going to therapy or sitting in a therapist's office or whatever, right? But the idea of like going on a hike and talking through it or like going on a river trip or going skiing or going on a walk, like being outside just is a very grounding, naturally grounding thing that allows people to let their guard down a little bit and feel more comfortable. And so I saw so much power in that. And it's really just come full circle from what my original, I want to make more money being a river guide and do therapy to now it's like, I want to empower everyone, as many people as possible to figure out how, what they need and how they need to heal and, and get to that authentic version of themselves. So that's kind of long story short of how I got to where I am today. And it all, it all comes down to caring about people and wanting to give them every opportunity possible to learn how to love themselves. That's pretty cool that you're able to combine therapy and outdoors because sometimes I think like, oh, could we even make any more inventions? I feel like we have enough inventions that there's not going to, we're not going to be able to reinvent the wheel or we're not going to, we're not going to remake a product that's going to change the world. 
But when you're talking about doing therapy outside, you're kind of reinventing the world. That's how I view it. Like, seriously, it's therapy is hard because it's so direct. It's like you're it's such a direct conversation. You just feel so closed off. But if you're able to redirect the energy to connect with the earth and make it less scary, because I'm envisioning myself in this scenario, would I be more comfortable sitting in a chair in a therapist's office or would I be more comfortable on a hike talking about it? I would 100% be more comfortable on a hike talking about it. And I personally don't know any therapists that do outdoor therapy (laughs) like you do. So it's seriously reinventing the world. That's like mind blowing to me that like, um, I just never like thought of this myself, but like, I'm so happy and proud that you were able to think of this because 100% people need this and people need this to get over those hard days and get over those humps and become their true authentic self and learn to love themselves. Yeah. Well, I will say I can't take full credit for being the first and only person to do this. Obviously there's like wilderness therapy that you've heard of, like they take teens out and like, so working in, in that industry a little bit and treatment centers and other things, I'm like, okay, the system here is a little bit messed up because like if you send one part of your family to get help and then they come back, but the rest of your family still struggles and the system there is still, you know, broken. Um, then the work that they did is going to be powerful and impactful, but odds are they're going to fall straight back into the same patterns as before because they don't have a, a structured system that actually is stable. And so I saw it as like, a, okay, I want to work with like the whole family system. Like let's bring the entire family out to wilderness therapy or let's bring the parents out right? Not just one of the kids or one of the members of the family. Um, so that was kind of that, the, that, the retreat side of things, but then, but then the hiking and, and trail walk, like there's a lot of like trail walker type or hike and talk or walk and talk type therapy people. But in the, in the like licensed therapy world for a long time, there was a stigma because, you know, even 10 years ago, therapy was like, Oh, like you go to therapy, like you're kind of crazy probably. Right. Like, but in the last decade, it's definitely shifted. I think it's opposite. Now it's like, if you don't go to therapy, like that's a red flag, you know, like you should, should probably be working on yourself. Right. Once again, don't quote me on that. That's uh, a, <laughs> I, I just think, I just think the stigma around it has decreased a lot. And so now it's like, Oh, everybody that goes to therapy is trying to figure themselves out and figure this life out. And life is hard. So why are we, why are we bagging on people if they're trying to better themselves? Right. And so because, because that stigma has kind of gone away, um, the ability to see people in different settings is a little bit easier because nobody's like afraid for people to know that they're, you know, in therapy. Cause I could be out on a hike with someone. And if they know that I'm an outdoor therapist and I do outdoor hiking, those people could see me and be like, Oh, that's probably one of his clients, you know? And so it makes it a little bit funky that way. But when the people that I'm meeting with don't care at all, what anyone perceives them as because like they're literally just working on themselves. It's, it's definitely like a thing. And like you said, reinventing the wheel a little bit, I think it's more just changing the direction of the wheel is kind of how I would say that it's like the direction used to be just right down this one way, but now it's like, no, we can, we can take this wheel and go any direction we want with it, whatever it takes to help people. The way you described people being so closed off before 
is something that I still feel in myself sometimes, but I'm, I'm learning to open myself up. I'm learning to be my authentic true self and to not be ashamed of that and to just embrace that my feelings are real. I'm human and this is me. And if people are not going to like me for me, then that doesn't sound like a problem that I need to be bearing on me. I don't need to take that on. So when you talk about being your authentic self and bringing to the world you, because that's what the world needs is us individually. We don't all need to be the same. We don't need to live the same. That's hard. So in your definition of being your authentic self, what does that look like for you and a client? Or what does that look like for you in general, just living your authentic self? Oof, this is a big question. And one that I actually, I just posted on my story and said, Hey, I want all the questions you guys have, send me your best, you know, and got like hundreds of questions. And a, a lot of them was like, how do you feel comfortable with yourself? How do you fight imposter syndrome? How do you, you know, have confidence? How do you, you know, all, all aligned with this like authentic self. Right. And the word that came to mind, and this is actually, this is my word for 2024 that I'm working on is alignment. And what I mean by that is like, when you do the work to understand yourself and like learn about yourself, what, what do you enjoy doing? You know, what do you not enjoy doing? What, what like drives you? What makes you, what are you passionate about? Um, what makes you afraid? What makes you anxious? Like when you, the more data you have on your own self, the more you can align your life in a way that is authentic to you. Because all of those things, all the emotions we feel, this is something that I, I get fired up about too, is emotions are the most powerful thing in our life. Because one, they drive us, right? Like if it's fear or anxiety or stress, there's like positive stress, you stress, distress, like all those things. But emotions are information. Like every time we feel anything, we are gathering information about ourselves that will help us learn what we need to do moving forward. But we have to look at it that way right? If we look at it as like, when we feel those emotions, we see it as like a, Oh my gosh, it's happening again. I'm going to like retreat and numb out because I don't want to feel this. That's, that's a, a coping mechanism that's protecting us, right? Because we've gone through a lot of hard things and that's totally okay. But it's when we can learn to do that, we cope, we, we protect ourselves and then look back and see where those things were coming from and slowly piece it together. We break down and deconstruct those those knee-jerk reactions, right? The fight or flight type of reactions. And we start to be able to understand a little bit better why we respond the way we do. You know, why do I feel anxious when I'm around other people that are really good at speaking and I feel like that's an insecurity or other people that I feel are prettier than me or whatever, any number of reasons. And it starts to go back. We start to learn like, oh, it's because of this belief I have, which is based on this experience I had when I was younger. So as you break that down, you then can move forward, aligning yourself with what and who you actually are. And that's where the self-confidence comes because you know yourself. And that's where the authenticity comes because you're making decisions and you're having conversations and you're choosing people in your life based off of who you actually are, not who you think you're supposed to be. It's interesting that you bring that up about your childhood and your foundation. I actually just recently finished um a book called the my the millionaire mind he talks about how 
like our foundation, our childhood sets our foundation and it's our job to ask the whys. Like he literally breaks it down to why do you tie your shoe the way you do? Why do you do your finances the way you do? Why do you feel this emotion the way you do? It's because we were wired to feel that because it was like our foundation. And so it's interesting that you bring up the fact of figuring out where those emotions are coming from and learning from it, not just hiding from it. And I guess that goes to everything in life is there's always something to be learned in every situation, but especially with our emotions. And that's something that I've felt like I've done pretty well at the last couple of months is I get a little anxious and I'm like, oh no, yeah, just like you said, it's happening again. And then you figure out, why am I feeling this way? And then you just ask the why question until you figure out the the root cause. And is there anything you can control about this root cause? Can you avoid it? Can you embrace it? Can you plan for it in the future? Is there anything that you can control about this? And so I love that you're able to ask those why questions and reframe yourself to what you truly believe down to like your political party, really like why, why do you vote for a specific person? Because you've done it since you were in, I don't even know how old, 18, <laughs> like, because your parents told you to. And so it's like, finally getting to the point where you're asking those why questions. And I love that your word is alignment. And once you're in alignment, you, something just feels right. And I feel like I'm not always in alignment, but when I am in alignment, yeah, when I am in alignment, I'm like, yes. And then the next day I'm like, frick, where did it go? <laughs> Nobody is. What am Nobody I doing is. wrong? And so I feel like I'm kind of like walking on this drunken, drunkenly walking on this path. Right. And so I think it's, like you said, a work in progress and it's something that we can constantly be doing in every aspect of our life is just finding the root causes for things and just truly finding ourselves and like our authentic selves yeah yeah no i think you're absolutely right and i i liked one thing that you said specifically i liked all that you said but you talked about like taking what we can control and taking what we can't control and as soon as we can learn to to let go of what is out of our control that takes like 50 percent of the stressors off of our plate because so much in life is out of our control i would say more in life is out of our control than in our control and so when we can break it down and just be like, okay, what can I control today? Like we can't even control the emotions that we feel like that's, that's not out of our control. The one thing we can do is we can control what we do with those emotions. Right. And the, what we need to do is like, let's feel it for sure. Let's feel it. And then let's like get through it and let's look back. And then what, what can we control? We can control what we do with the information. And then from there we can control what we do to make a plan to change the next time that situation happens or this thing happens. We can go talk to someone about it. We can learn and, and, you know, do research on why attachment is the way it is or why, you know, our inner child is struggling so much and we can learn. And like, that's what's in our control. And the more you take control of what is in your control, the less you worry about the things that are out of your control because your confidence is going up of like, I actually am in control of my life way more than I ever thought I was. So you mentioned your inner child, which is like my love language. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you listened to my first episode, but that was like my 
literal life-changing moment when I realized I was not feeding my inner child. Like I was not listening. And I had just like been hurting this little girl for so long. And I feel like that has a lot to do with our alignment. Like we were talking about, like being our true authentic selves. We can't really do that unless we are healing that inner child and giving that inner child attention. And it's kind of a concept that's hard to describe for me, but it's just feeding yourself with inner peace and choosing you first sometimes and self-healing and doing that meditation. And that seriously was the time when I realized it was my inner child. Like I have not been listening. I've been putting her off. Um, that concept is what changed my life. So would you mind expounding on that a little more? Like how to identify your inner child and maybe first steps to healing the inner child? Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, well, I know it sounds like you've done a lot of good work with that and that's amazing. I think everyone, like the way I, I try to do it is like, if I'm working with clients or anything, I would, I would be like, Hey, before we meet next time, try and find a photo of yourself. If you have one, when you were like six, you know, or eight or something and like bring that with you or like save it on your phone or whatever. And like, I've found that in times when I have been struggling to like believe in myself or been hard on myself or anything, I will take a picture of myself as a six-year-old and I will set it as my screensaver on my phone. And every time to see, like every time I open my phone, I get emotional mm -hmm. because I remember that that six-year-old version of me, the only thing that he ever hears is what I decide to tell him. Anything the world says and anything people around us say, the hate, the negativity, the whatever, I can choose how to interpret that message and send it to my inner child. He's protected by me. And so if I choose to agree with the outside world and I choose to let them tell me who I am and how I'm supposed to feel, then I will absolutely feel that way. And I will stay there. But if I choose to love my inner child more than anything and anyone else, then I will redirect and change that message to be, hey, guess what? You can do anything you ever want to. And you are beautiful and you are great and you are strong no matter what. And like, he believes that and he doesn't hear anything else. And then what does that do? The inner child is what fuels our outward belief of ourselves. So if the inner child child in us like believes that, then we're going to feel that way moving forward. And so that's, I guess that's how I would kind of explain it to someone getting started is whatever we decide to tell our inner child is the only thing that they will hear. And I think that's a pretty simple, specific way to say it that hits deep for people. It very much hits deep for me also. I am kind of similar in your case. I actually couldn't even look at my childhood pictures for years. I didn't, I like didn't want to look at them and I would get emotional every time I looked at them because I knew deep down that I was hurting her. Um, like seriously, when I would look at my pictures, when I was, you know, a three-year-old dressing up in like a wedding gown, I would just break down for hours because I just knew I I was hurting her and 
Um, I actually wear a bracelet now, similar to your case with your picture on your phone, but I have a bracelet with a capsule um, with a little paper inside of it. And it says, do it for her. So everything I do is for that little girl that was hurting and I'm here to be her guardian. And I drew like a little flower that I used to draw when I was little, like when I would have kind of anxiety, I used to draw this same flower for like hours, like covering a page. So I drew a little flower on that piece of paper and I stuck it in this capsule on a bracelet. So everywhere I go, she's with me on my, in my bracelet. And I remember everything I do is I do it for her. And I think there's a powerful message being sent there. It connects like it's connecting your emotions with like a physical image. So you're, you know what you're feeling, but you're also able to imagine that little girl sitting next to you on a curb, you know, and just giving her the biggest hug and telling her you can do it, get up again, keep trying. And it's just connecting, connecting myself with her is more empowering than anything else I've ever, ever done. And I hope that others are able to do that also. It's kind of a hard concept to learn until you truly feel it. It's really emotional. Yeah, no, it is. Thanks for sharing that. That's a really cool reminder that you have and something that's, I mean, most importantly, like so meaningful to you. And like an exercise, a very simple exercise that I, you know, do with so many people is think of a memory, a time when your six-year-old or eight-year-old version of yourself was going through something that you feel like you're actually going through now, right? A similar type of emotion. And then I want you to write a letter to them, like whatever you would do to help them feel loved, to help them feel valued, to help them get through that moment. And then after that, reread it to yourself whenever you need to, because that inner child that was six and eight years old or whatever the age is, is also you right now. And that same love, like the most powerful thing that you can do in this life, I will stand by this forever, is learn how to love yourself. Because everything else in life comes based off of that ability. Every relationship, every job, everything, like you will you will be confident in all of those aspects of your life once you learn that. And I mean, it's a really hard thing. That's a lot easier said than done, but like, and I'm still, I'm still working on it and putting in the work. Um, and it is a lifelong process too, because there's times where you will lose that love a little bit, um, but it it will change everything. Because I'm a firm believer that the the ability to love someone else is directly correlated, like the level to which we can love someone is directly correlated with like our own ability to love ourselves. And so if we can only love ourselves this much, then no matter how much we try, we can't reach the level of a relationship that we want with someone else. And so we can work together to get there, but like in a relationship and you don't have to be totally healed, right? To be in a relationship. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Um, but the more work we do on ourselves, the easier it is and the healthier our, our relationships will be. As you said that, I really appreciated your thoughts. It reminds me of kind of like the first steps of change. Like how do I change my ways to love my inner self? Because I feel like when I was going through a really hard time and still am, it's a natural thing for me to be closed off. And it's a natural thing for me to um, like hide away from others and not ask for help. Um, and I want to figure everything out myself. 
it's it's like a natural human uh action for me to do that to just close off curl up in a ball figure it out myself when I know you spoke about this um through your Instagram and through your different messages of if you want to love yourself so much the best thing you can do is to reach out to others and ask for help um would you mind expounding on that a little bit yeah, no, that's a, that's a good thought. And let's see where to start with this one. I think the reason I say that is because just like all of our relationships growing up influence the way we are as an adult, we can reverse all of those things by the same types of things. Like when you, when you have trauma or something, um, and there's obviously lots of different approaches to this and I'm, I'm not claiming to be an expert on trauma, but anything that you go through over a period of time without proper support, I would define as like a little T trauma, like a smaller trauma. So throughout your childhood, if you have something you go through, that's really, really hard and you don't have good support there, then the only way you can really work through that is by getting good support later on. And one of the best ways to get good support is to also support others because relationships are two way and when we find people that we care about and love that also care about and love us back, that is what heals, right? When we invest our time into people that are capable of loving us, that is what heals us. But the the, the hard part here and the thing that I see all too often is if someone has gone through a time where they feel like they weren't loved or they weren't worthy of love, then that pattern that we have within us, that pattern of thought, that pattern of belief makes it so that we are drawn to similar people that treat us similarly, right? And I'm not blaming anyone. This is not a, a victim blaming. Like if you are in a relationship where you're not being loved, it is not your fault. That is absolutely not your fault. What I mean by that is it's just comfortable. Like it's what we know. And so of course we're going to fall into the groove of like what we know. And like we don't want that. And that's not our decision, but it's, it's kind of what happens, uh, traditionally. And so that's why I say the more you can lean into friendships even and like relationships that are not, I guess it's, I, this is more like romantic relationships is where this really is the hard thing because you add the emotion of a romantic relationship or a romantic interest and it kind of exacerbates everything and like makes you jump into things more so. Whereas with friendships, um, you're, you're not going to be as uh, akin to like falling into the same patterns with a friend because there's no romantic draw. That's really a catalyst there. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, so really like leaning into some of those relationships that are friendships to like break out of those patterns and serving other people and loving other people that, you know, need love and also can love you back. Um, I think the other pendulum swing on this one is people who felt neglected. And this is where I, and I'm not, my family's amazing. My parents are amazing, but I was a middle child and like lots going on. And my mom and I have processed through this. So if she heard this, she would be laughing and knowing like, yep, <laughs> I paid for his therapy. It's perfect. Um, but it just so happens that like, I felt like I wasn't always loved and that I had to prove my worth. And so I spent so much of my life trying to prove to people that I'm worthy of love and trying to show them like, Hey, I deserve to be loved. Like you should love me or like, you know, working on becoming good at things just so that people would value me based on what I could do. And 
I was never satisfied. I never felt loved. The more I accomplished, the more I did, like it never changed until I finally realized that all of that was me trying to cope with the fact that I didn't feel this when I was younger. And so once I recognized that, I could really do some work and be like, oh, it doesn't matter how much I accomplish. My worth has nothing to do with any of the things I accomplish in this life, any of the money I make, any like how I look, nothing. And everything to do with the, the fact that I exist as a human, just be me and existing and knowing that like, it doesn't matter. I could do nothing more in this life and I still would be worthy of love. That was really deep. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a vulnerable, you know, experience to share. Um, do you feel like most people go through a phase of kind of similarity to you of seeking outside validation from others? Like what is it most people that feel that? And then there's a certain point in their life that it clicks that they love themselves. What is your experience with that as like a professional therapist? Yeah, I would say it's safe to, it's safe to say across the board that every single human at some point in their life, especially in like you leave the home and you're on your own. So those first adult or not adolescent, those first adult years, like validation is going to drive you. So like getting good grades or driving a nicer car, like there's something everyone, you know, some people car doesn't matter. Some people grades don't matter. Some people, but there's something that matters to them. That is a reflection of something that they saw as something that was maybe a deficit growing up. Right. And so I would say, yes, like everyone craves that validation a little bit. And I think that this is a hard part is like, obviously I'm on social media and like, it's allowed so much, you know, for me to be an opportunity for me to be able to help people and, and do a lot of things. But I also, I think part of the reason why I didn't lean into it earlier on was because I hated how it made me feel. And I hate knowing that if, if I felt that way, for sure, there's billions of people in this world that also feel that way. And so it's just tough because it's like an immediate feedback. I mean, but also can be negative. Like you post something and you get three likes instead of what you were hoping for. Like that is the opposite of validation, right? Like that's furthering your belief that you're not pretty or you're not good enough or your life isn't cool enough, right? When in reality, it's like, oh yeah, people just didn't push like but it's literally like, it's, it's like, uh, the logic and the actual like emotion behind it are just very unreasonable. It's not, they, they don't go together there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'd say that everyone struggles with that in some way for sure. Thank you for sharing that. That was very informative. And I've always kind of wondered that because I know I've gone through kind of a similar experience that you went through. So I was like, well, can't be the only ones. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that you were able to share that. And I do have a question for you. Was there like a turning point in your life where you kind of became your own cheerleader and says, I got this, let's, let's live life to the fullest. Was there like a specific experience <laughs> or was it just kind of happening over time? Um, I think definitely. So like, this is something that I will stand by and I'll probably make a reel of it later on down the road, just an idea, but everything that we experience, like tomorrow we are 
a better version of ourselves. Even if tomorrow we make a mistake that makes us feel like we're a worse version, we are continually growing forward. And what I mean by that is like everything we we experience, mistakes and whatever are is more information. It's more data to help us improve, right? And so I finally, I think I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I don't, I'm not worried so much about what other people think and the validation externally because it hasn't helped. And I think that's why a lot of people through their 20s really struggle. And then if you ask people in their 30s, they're like, oh yeah, my 30s were my favorite because I just kind of settled into who I am. And from there, like life was so much better. I just could do what I wanted to do. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at, where through my 20s, I was trying to figure out who I am. And I realized this, this was one of the big momentous like thoughts that I had was every single moment or every amount of effort that we put into trying to become what someone else thinks we should be is pushing us further and further away from who we're meant to be. And when I realized that, I'm like, oh, if I'm following this path that I feel like I should be going to, but like this is where I need to be, then yeah, like I literally am going further away from it. So I had to just stop and take a step back and be like, wait, who who do I want to be? What do I want to do? What makes me tick? Like, what do I love? And that's where the alignment comes in of like, once we really dig deep and learn those things about ourselves, then we're aligned with our path. Then we're heading in the direction that we want to go. Then we're associating with the people that are also aligned with us. And anyone that doesn't stick around or abandons us or leaves us simply is doing that because they would be required to grow in this direction with us. And if that's not their alignment, then whoop, they're going to bounce off because that's not what they're meant to do. And so I just started to like see it more, I don't want to say like scientifically, but kind of like really more psychologically and like, like separating emotion from it all and being like, yeah, there's going to be people that no matter what I do, aren't going to like me. Like no matter how much good or how friendly I am or how much like I do for them, they still just won't because they don't value me. And that's not my fault, right? And that's not necessarily even their fault either. It's just simply like, we're not meant to be friends and close to and aligned with everyone on this planet, right? And so as as you align yourself a little better with what and who you are, the people who are also aligned there you're just kind of like all on the same road and you're going to run into each other and you're going to cross paths and it's going to be the most beautiful reunion because you're just like, Hey, this is amazing. They're going to build you up. Right. And they're, they're going to be in your corner no matter what you do rather than the opposite of like, they're going to be outside of your corner no matter what you do. They are, they're your biggest support, even if they don't really know you. And like, that's, that was the, the thing, maybe a turning point for me where I started to, once I was feeling this alignment more, started to see more of those people coming into my life and felt the difference from when I was maybe over here and aligned with people that weren't in my corner and always felt a little anxious and a little like unsure of the relationship. And I just was like, oh, I don't like that. And I really like this. So I'm going to stay over here. That's a really cool journey that you were able to experience um, as a human, physically and emotionally, I'm sure. When you were going through this journey of aligning yourself and 
kind of finding this community of people that also have the same values as you somewhere along that path, like, was that transition hard? Like, did it feel kind of awkward at first? Like, and did you feel lonely in between finding those people, like your people, like, was there a moment when you're like, okay, I'm just going to turn back this way. Cause it's more comfortable. Like, was there ever like a moment of thinking again about what you were doing about with everything? Um, yeah, I mean, there are still moments like full transparency. Like <laughs> last week was one of the hardest weeks of my whole life. And like just lots of random things happening and le lessons being learned and, and stuff to remind me of where I was misaligned or where I want to be, you know, make changes and then like here now looking forward, it being like one of the better weeks of my life, right? Of just seeing all the the growth that I made in just that week. And this is something that I will also stand by of like rock bottom sucks, like absolutely the worst, right? And also you will grow more from rock bottom than you ever will from any mountaintop or any peak or any, you know, top of a hill that you've ever been on because it's in those moments that you really have to dig deep and reflect on like, what the heck is going on? Why am I here? How did I get here? And you have to let go of the blame because blame will literally just hold you there and you have no, what you, you, you can't go lower. Right. So it's like, okay, here I am rock bottom. I have to let this go. I have to accept like my part in this, like learn from my mistakes one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is accountability, right? I think a lot of people will try and blame or justify or, you know, whatever, but that will keep you at rock bottom or that will keep you down in a rut. As soon as you take accountability and kind of ownership of what is yours, not of everything. That's when I have to, you know, be careful here. Like do not take ownership of what is not yours, but absolutely take ownership of what is yours because that will free you. That's like, that's like, uncuffing your hands and allowing you to move right and so that's i think one of one of the like biggest things for me was realizing that and like realizing in those lonely moments is when i grow and knowing that there will still be lonely moments that was kind of going back to your original question of like there there's always going to be moments where you feel alone and those moments are oftentimes some of the most beautiful moments as well, because when we're, when we're forced to be alone or feel lonely is usually when we are going to feel our deepest emotions and reflect on some of the deepest things within us. And that's like I say, always more information. It's more data. It's giving you everything that you need. Every emotion you feel when you're lonely is like this powerful spreadsheet of things that you can do with. Right. So Loneliness is hard and it takes a while to get out of ruts sometimes. And sometimes you have highs that are really high and go for a long time. And then you'll drop back into a, a seemingly like rock bottom moment. Um, but I, I can, I can confidently say that like you can get out of it and it's beautiful on the other side. You had a quote on one of your Instagrams that is reminding me of uh, this message that you're sharing of rock bottom and getting up again. You said, don't be afraid to start again. You're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. And it that kind of just aligns with just what you said of this is data. This is an opportunity for us 
to get back up again and use what we just learned from being at rock bottom to propel us forward. Is that what you meant by this message when you shared it on Instagram? Absolutely. And I have to be honest, I got that quote off of like somewhere else that said anonymous. So I didn't know who it was actually like from, from, but I loved it because I, I'm a huge fan of like learning from things. Like what is the Miss Frizzle from like Magic School Bus? I don't know if <laughs> yeah, you know Magic School absolutely. Bus, but for anyone listening that knows Magic School Bus, like make mistakes, get messy, right? Like take chances, make mistakes, get messy. Like that's her tagline. And so like, that is what it's all about. Take some chances, make some mistakes, get messy, learn from it. And then like life moves forward. And I think actually there was, there was a lot of people that messaged me with that post. Cause it's, I mean, it's now like a million and a half views and they messaged me and they were like, I would rather start from scratch because that was so painful. And I'm like, ah, I, you know, that I can totally understand where you're at with that. And I think what people might have interpreted as from that is like, they would have rather not gone through that. And I would agree. I wish that all of us could go through life without having to experience so much pain. Right. But it's through that pain that we refine ourselves and we learn what things not to do. And also if we never experienced pain, then the the level of our happiness and our joy would not feel as high either because it's, there's no contrast. And so starting from scratch versus starting from experience, like experience simply just means like you have learned so much about what you need, about what you deserve, about what kind of relationship you actually want and what you have to offer. And you should expect nothing less than all of that and set those standards high, set those standards there and like, don't settle for anything less than that. And that's what the experience is, right? It's the experience is there to help us know what we're worth and what we deserve. And we have to take that and learn from it and then use it and believe it. It's like manifesting is kind of what I got from the last sentence of just manifest your life and there's no dream too big. And kind of the message that I got overall tonight was a message of love for yourself, a message of just deep peace and love for ourselves because I I feel like, and you probably agree, that we are the rudest to ourselves sometimes and we're so harsh on ourselves and we are some of the biggest problems of why we're so unhappy. So it makes sense that we're able to, if we're able to love ourselves, then we also are able to heal ourselves and propel ourselves forward. Like we're so powerful as human beings like we were literally created in god's image so we we have so much power within us and zach is there like a specific message that you want to leave with our audience tonight kind of a uh sending love message here before we go hmm. um probably you are meant to be you and no one else you are exactly where you need to be on this journey because it's yours and no one else's you can't be behind yourself like you are you are exactly where you need to be for whatever reason find that reason learn from it keep moving forward and just know that 
we need you for you, for all your quirks and for all your skills and talents and abilities and whatever, and for all the insecurities and struggles because you are exactly what other people need when you really believe that. And you will find those people in your life and you will find who you align with and you will find who helps you feel like the best version of yourselves and stay with those people. And you'll always, always find the naysayers and you'll find people that don't agree with what you're doing because someone will always disagree with what you say. Someone will always disagree with what you do. Someone will always disagree with who you are, but that doesn't mean that you're wrong. And so I guess my final message with all of that is do the work to learn how to love yourself because it is absolutely worth it. And you will never regret any ounce of effort that you put into creating that relationship and building that relationship with that small version of you. That was so beautiful, Zach. You said that so beautifully. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Listeners, we had such a great episode tonight. Wow. I feel like I am going to have to re-listen to this four times to even digest everything. This week's challenge, I think, along with tonight's theme is be at peace with yourself. Take some time to reflect and kind of question the whys in your life. Like seriously, down to tying your shoes and figure out who you truly are. Like, do you truly want to tie your shoes that way? Or just something little, just take one task and kind of dissect it and figure out what aligns with you. And thank you so much, Zach, for being here. It was truly an honor. I'm really, really, really excited to continue to watch your journey. And I hope you know how proud I am of you. And I hope you know how many lives you are changing by sharing your expertise and your voice and your gift. You were given this gift and you're using it. And that that's that's beautiful. So thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us this week. We hope you had a great time and we're really excited to see you next week. 